listening to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, we're starting out a bit of a new podcast this time. Um, we've been talking about it a little bit recently, the idea of doing uh, a book club and looking at different graphic novels. People, uh, different guys here will um, recommend different titles each time. I think it's a good way of um, filling in blanks in our own reading. I think it's a good way of getting great recommendations from other people. I think the seed of this idea actually started when Keith lent me Marvels, something I'd never read and just this absolute masterpiece that just had somehow escaped, see what it did there, my attention. Um, So (laughs) I think the the book we were going to start off with um, uh, is Mr. Miracle. Uh, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Keith, Kieran. Ruddy. And a new voice for the first time, and it may be as last time. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're all here to talk about Mr. Miracle. Um, I think this is probably one of the biggest releases so far this year in terms of trade paperback form. Um, when it first kicked off in 2017, um, it's already won Eisner's for Tom King, the writer, Mitch Jarrett's the artist. It's been nominated again in the most recent Eisner Awards. Um, but I do think that for this group anyway, it has proved to be somewhat of a polarizing title. Um, as I say, 12 issue limited series collected in trade paperback. Um, I'll just go around the table and ask general opinions. I mean, for me, I loved it. Absolutely adored it. I think I'm on my own. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, wants, wants to step up to the plate first? I, I felt very conflicted. That's all I'll say. Loved parts of it. Other parts, I just really struggled with, struggled with. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I don't know. I, I have very very mixed feelings. I felt like it was a wee bit overhyped. Um, maybe some people's problems. Um, but it was it was okay. It wasn't what I expected. I'm mixed as well. Um, I uh, I uh, I bought it after it was recommended by yourself and Stephen uh, obviously it's Tom King the writer um, I think there might be a wee element of the cult of Tom here mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah good parts less good parts what's um, the cult of Tom sorry I don't know I'm starting to feel like maybe with certain although we, we I definitely agree with, with and I've said it a number of times with Alan's um Epithet of following following creators rather than following uh, creations. Yeah, I yeah. think with certain writers and certain artists, there tends to be a wee bit of a cultish thing that yeah. grows up around them. Even in okay, our own, yeah. even in our own, uh, in our own company. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I know, think. So the likes I think Trump, you put King, certain Snyder, ones. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, certainly so. put certain creators on pedestals, and I think it is important always to differentiate. You still have to judge them fairly just because you really like an artist or a writer. You exactly, can't yeah. love everything well, they do. It's very kind of you to do that for me, Alan. <laughs> you're, you're on the highest yeah. of pedestals. Apart from, of course, our own resident yeah. writer who's you know just working at the pinnacle of his career yeah, already. Chris, what did you reckon? <laughs> I was... Uh, I don't want to say mixed, but I do think I'm more positive than negative. I'm always going to be a fan of works that actually blend the superheroic with like grounded relationships with the facets of ordinary life. So that part I love. I just feel like I'm losing a lot by not actually knowing a lot about the fourth world, about Kirby's creations, mm-hmm. as you said. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of fair. I mean, obviously, with everyone sort of stating a quick opinion, I mean, it's probably good to do a quick bit of background on Mr. Miracle. I mean, Mr. Miracle was a character created by Jack Kirby. Um, Keith and I actually know quite a bit more about this from recently reading a book that one of the regulars um, 
Michael was kind enough to lend to me a book called Slugfest, the, the eternal struggle essentially between Marvel and DC. But this is sort of how DC lured Jack Kirby over a little bit. They gave him, he had this idea for the fourth world, which was going to be um, New Genesis. It was going to be Apocalypse. It was in a series called The New Gods. Um, he created Mr. Miracle. He created Dark Side. He created Female Furies, all this kind of stuff. Didn't really sell very well for DC at the time. It was very, very out there. It was unsuccessful. It was cancelled. Yeah, I think Mr. Miracle lasted very few issues. I think seven, eight, nine issues, that kind of thing. Um, the New Gods in general, it just didn't seem to do too well. And even from reading that book, they massively hyped it in the advertising. And then well, after they massively, like, they massively hyped Kirby. Yeah, that yeah. that's probably fair. It's probably his name was sort of. And lights, and then at the bottom of the page, it was like New Gods, you know, like that kind of thing. Like Marvel at the minute, like Pikmin with Marvel at the minute. Yeah, exactly. But well, yeah. yeah, yeah, in some ways. Um, I guess the the reason, though, certainly reading that book, the reason that it was so it was so hyped, it was a it was a boon at the time for for DC to get one of Marvel's original Kirby. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they they lured him over by saying hey, you can do whatever you want yeah and then you know you can do whatever you you can create whatever you want obviously at Marvel he was limited to you know Captain America and you know all of the various other yeah. things not that I would consider that to be limited in any way but for <laughs> a, I guess for, him, for, for yeah. a creative you know he had ideas of his own he had this trilogy of books yeah it was New Gods Forever, Forever People. People and Mr. Miracle um, but then it, as you say it quickly became it was very very from what I under now that said, I, I have knowledge of the books without ever having read those books. Yeah. Um, but from what I understand, they're very very trippy, very seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably probably suited Kirby's art style very very well. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess at that time DC was considered to be and remains to some extent the conservative company, and it really didn't fit well. I think with what their editors their editor in yeah. were doing you know as soon as they got they were going oh we've got this guy but he wants to do what so <laughs> <laughs> and even still a little bit of resentment towards him because essentially he was the enemy until right now so you were straight away turning around this guy who was your complete enemy and then saying like we'll pay you more than anybody else mm. you know so there was a there was quite a little bit of jealousy as well when Kirby came so um, it wasn't massively successful and then Mr. Miracle he's sort of flitted around DC history for years popped up in stories here and there um, along with his buddy uh, Funky Flashman yeah you know who was uh, who Kirby <laughs> Uh, very much based on Stanley. Yeah, his uh, deteriorating relationship with Stanley at the time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, took a few pot shots at his former uh, best friend, shall we say? Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mister Miracle when it first came out, I mean, we as a store, we were only open a few months, and um, we were still getting the grips with ordering and seeing what people wanted and all this kind of stuff. And I remember with Mister Miracle, not one person pre-ordered it, so I only ordered in a couple of copies. And still to this day, I don't know who bought one. <laughs> I accused Kieran of this for ages because it was one of those weird ones. It came out. It was this sort of quirky little title. No one knew much about it. at this point. Tom Queen, Tom Keen wasn't quite Tom Keen, you know, in terms of the cult of Keen, that kind of thing. So it was this quirky little book, and within a week, it was like forty quid on eBay. It was just whether it was a low print run or whatever. So I accused Kieran of this for months. I definitely don't. I still think he has it. I scanned all my <laughs> stuff in this week. I don't know. Um, and then it slowly started to gain traction, and by the time it was finished, uh, with, with the last issue coming out November twenty eighteen, um, there was about fifteen people had it in the pool list. So it, it had gained an audience. 
I personally think just before we jump into the meat and bones of it, I personally think it reads much better as a trade. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of work here. I think it is very very trippy, and I think it needs the flow of a trade paperback rather than the single issues. Um, did you get it? Did you read it? I read the first Which, three no, at no, the start monthly, and then it became a bit of a hard title to get. Mm-hmm. And then I just made sure customers had it, and then it, mine fell by the wayside. I do now have a CGC nine point eight of it yep. with a slightly with a slightly like, cracked right case, now, but yeah. we'll not look at the cracked case. Um, I mean, as I say, I'm a big fan of this book now, but I don't know if I would have been as big a fan of it if I had read it monthly. Yeah, because yeah. I think it works brilliantly in a trade. It's a real page turner. But as you were saying about Tom King, was obviously the cult hadn't quite appeared yet, but. Him and the artist Mitch Dreads Dred. had done Sheriff of Babylon, Sheriff of Babylon. Vision as well. in yeah. 2015. Well, the vision wasn't vision, Mitch Dreads, it was Gabriel yeah. H. Walter. Um, yeah, I mean, it should be said with Tom Keane, he had a big hit at Marvel with the vision. DC seemed to recognize this, and DC offered their standard deal of the same way they got Scott Snyder, same way they got Jack Kirby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's been going for a number of years where it's it's not just a case of come to us and write Batman with him. It was come to us. Oh, you have your own passion project, yeah. 12 issues. Yeah. Release that through Vertigo, no problem. And then if you want to write one of our core characters, which was yeah. Batman. So wait, what came first, Mr. Miracle or Batman? Batman. Yeah, yeah. so Batman's Batman kicked off with Batman Rebirth 2016. 24 by the time it came out? Yeah, I mean, because it's been a fortnightly title, so it's um, it was going quite consistently by the time Mr. Miracle came out. Um, but Tom King very quickly established himself himself as one of DC's most important writers and certainly one of their biggest personalities. Um, I mean, we've talked before a little bit about it, but I wasn't a huge fan of his first arc on Batman. It took me a while to get used to. I sort of appreciate it more now, and this is something I like in Mr. Miracle. I think he's more of a long-form storyteller. I think you need all the information we were talking earlier as well about Heroes in Crisis and issue 8 for me really turned a corner and I loved it um, but it almost took a bit longer to get there than I would have liked yeah. um, so I know Keith had mentioned it before you know originally it was supposed to be 7 issues with 2 specials but they just seemed to integrate the 2 specials oh, them, yeah. into it now there's only one issue of Heroes in Crisis to go so we'll see how it reads all together but uh, yeah I mean with Mr. Miracle he is Mr. Miracle Mr. Miracle is scot-free, um, so it's uh, it's a character, I've, I've written a few notes here, so apologies if this sounds a bit stilted at times, um, but what I'd put down is that he's a, he's a character that just screams Silver Age, you know, with Jack Kirby, you know, he's part superhero, part vaudeville act, you know, he's uh, a superhero who, you know, his backstory was, so you had Apocalypse and you had New Genesis, which are two warring um, planets, and they're essentially representations of heaven and hell. Yeah. You know, New Genesis is heaven, Apocalypse is hell. And to keep the peace, the two leaders of the planets agreed to switch suns and raise them independently. So Scott was sent to um, Darkseid and raised there uh, in this hardened, brutal world. And um, Orion was sent to New Genesis where he was raised in a loving, caring environment, nurtured, all this kind of stuff. So obviously with Scott, he grew up, he just wanted to escape this. He managed to escape Apocalypse. And he was raised in, what, in this ex-pit under Granny Goodness. Yeah. yeah, so Granny Goodness is a character. She runs a, um, a program for the Female Furies, uh, which is another wee miniseries I'm reading at the moment I'm really enjoying. But they, these are essentially all the best female warriors on Apocalypse, and she runs them. But she was quite a bully to Scott quite a few times in this as well. And then 
she almost turns up a few times as like his conscience yeah. a oh. few times as well um, but yeah he manages he manages to escape um, Apocalypse he also takes with him one of the Furies which is Big Barda who becomes his wife who becomes his wife exactly so where this kicks off you, you get all that sort of in the first couple of pages um, it's one of the few occasions in the book where you don't actually get the nine panel structure you get yeah. a six page structure where it's all of the um, all of the history lessons shall we say it's kind of like a I guess Saturday morning cartoon it is a little bit yeah Cold you know it's yeah. it, it is done in a very sort of cheesy way with them waving at the camera and well the panel the panel has the shape of a TV screen yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah it's, it's all very larger than life characters and they're you know dark sides smiling maniacally and you know you've got um, yeah Scott waving to the camera with Barda and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. And then it juxtaposes that very quickly with an image of Scott essentially looking like he's committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what this turns out to be, or does it, um, is him trying to perform his greatest escape act, which is escaping death. Yeah. See, this is a reference to Houdini as well. Houdini, yeah. obviously famous escape artist, he always said his last escape would have been from death. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I read saw that panel up, the first thing I thought of was Houdini. Yeah. It's basically Scott... Uh, Scott Free is basically Houdini, but with a superhero. Yeah. Twisted. Well, I mean, I just, I, th I think it settles very quickly into what to expect from the rest of the book in that it marries the ridiculous with the serious. Yeah. I mean, you've got Big Barda sitting in the waiting room in full Amazonian, you know, <laughs> get up, you know, sitting beside these regular guys waiting on people to find out news on Scott. And then it even shows Scott looking at the TV where Mr. Miracle's there. And again, it looks like a Saturday morning cartoon saying, I can always escape. And he's lying in bed. Yeah. So I guess the question is, even, at, even at the very start, you know, he talks about this being his greatest escape attempt, escape mm -hmm. death. But is that just his way of covering the fact that he's depressive and suicidal? Yeah. yeah. Br well, it brings a lot of that into it. I mean, in, in this world, it seems to me, I was saying a little bit of this before we started recording, but in this world, it seems to be superheroes or celebrities. You know, you can see even on the pages after he gets let out of the hospital, people are straight up to him. You know, Scott, look this way. Scott, just one second. Listen, talk to your fans, all this kind of stuff. There, There is a theory that all of this is basically his, you know, dying embers. Yeah. That he actually dies on that There is a couple of times in the book where um, Oran says, oh, you're in heaven. Then some another character says, you're in hell. Yeah. So it, it still holds fact that he could still be in the afterlife and this is just the afterlife he's yeah. created or it's been that he's hit by the omega beams and that has created his personal hell well that was something i noticed in the structure of the book because the uh the first half of it is actually set um the first half it's set in new genesis and the second half it's set in apocalypse okay. so it's like half yeah. of it's in heaven half of it's in hell so to speak and obviously it's showing that just through the use of white and black pages yeah um and then the thing is that where it goes from there is you know obviously Bart is trying to understand why Scott's done this you know beyond obviously yeah. trying to escape death and all that kind of stuff it, from here on in it sort of balances the travails of marriage and dealing with your place in the world with this massive new war that's starting between New Genesis and Apocalypse and uh, Darkseid's got a hold of the anti-life equation and there's pages in it where they're like breaking into places but talking about how to decorate their house and stuff like that that was something I really enjoyed but I know you said Roddy it was something you I find it really had a bit hard of trouble to with. click with because it has this um, like there's loads of loads of really really funny scenes um, but I just I find like the marriage of really intense subject matter with mm -hmm. like the kind of jokey nature of it a bit hard to deal with but um some of the dialogue just seemed to just repeat itself and repeat itself and repeat itself but um there's loads of like the 
What I think it really nails is the day-to-day relationship nature. Like yeah. Yeah. day-to-day boring kind of chat, mundane. mundane. You all have it just that's so perfect. But um, chat about sofas. It's, and yeah, yeah. But like the other stuff, the other stuff on Apocalypse and um, New Genesis or whatever. That was that was hard to take for me because and especially they just I know there's a lot of stuff I didn't maybe didn't know the backstory of because there's the yeah. boom tube mm-hmm. where they just like transport just like that mm-hmm. and I was like alright how does did you not watch it? Justice League that masterpiece <laughs> of movie making I've never seen Justice League actually have you actually not no oh no, you're, so. you're a lucky man lucky man, lucky man. <laughs> just, I, a, just I imagine like, Avengers but a hundred sorry three thousand times worse but yeah. is there a director's cut that's much better who knows it's never going to happen if you ask me but I, I don't want to jump in let's hear it not with me we should get no. a soundboard not with, uh, not with uh, Zack Snyder's <laughs> number one fan to my left um, but yeah I mean that, that was something I thought that the book did brilliantly it um, the relationship between um, Big Barda and Scott I, I thought was phenomenal yeah. that's um, where it lies best the personal like you can tell it's probably a very personal book to yeah. Tom King and Mitch Gerrards but um, yeah like just the like the interplay between them is really funny like really really mm-hmm. good yeah. but, but then I don't like the zany like when they're on like this planet I didn't like you find that like, too jarring the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the mundane to the marvellous like oh yeah like shall we get a new but they, kitchen but they almost didn't change like fighting that's what I liked it's, about it because they almost they don't change how they talk to each other no matter mm, the situation yeah. they have they have such complete trust in each other that they have as much trust yeah. as you say trying to pick out a sofa like, as they me, do taking down a hundred bad guys yeah the way they didn't take it well the way I saw it was they didn't take the, the other stuff seriously so like I as a reader didn't really take it seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I engage more with See, them as a couple, you know. This is the thing. What you're saying, obviously, with the sort of the darker tone, with them sort of being zany and joking on top of that, it feels like that's the way DC is, though. DC's always mm-hmm. been that layer of darkness, then a wee bit of comedy on top. Mm-hmm. And so it, it feels like it is just a DC book, but it's it's because it's, it's sort of telling the same story between like the like the old '70s stuff and current. It's trying to mix mm-hmm. to get that mix. Mm-hmm. I kind of get where you're coming from, but uh, if you're talking about like the tonal clash of all mm-hmm. the superheroics, it is that the relationship between Scott and Barda, it is the driving force of the book. Yeah. The yeah. conflict between Apocalypse and New Genesis is not the driving force of the book, and therefore it doesn't get as much focus. So it doesn't fit as a, str- as a straightforward fantasy tale in that regard, because yeah. it will always play second fiddle to the relationship. Yeah, that was it. I mean, I, I sort of, again, just a couple of notes I'd sort of made on it, but you know, you were sort of asking yourself, is this a book that's about trauma and depressive illness, marriage and parenthood? I mean, the fact that the fact that uh, on more than one occasion, Scott wonders whether or not he he the only life equation is inside him. Yeah. You know, I mean, and to me, I was going, is he, t- is he talking about the fact he's depressed? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. he talking about the fact that's that that depression yeah. could steal his life? Yeah. You know, is that what, the, you know, this whole idea of the anti-life equation and yeah, that was, I thought that was interesting, you know. Anyway. No, I was just saying, like, I mean, it, it is at times that, and at other times it is, you know, a joke-filled superhero fantasy, you know, about cosmic wars and boom tubes and mother boxes and all this kind of stuff, but you've still got a villain who's sitting eating carrots, you know what I mean? It's, it, I thought it just jumps from the sublime to the ridiculous brilliantly, because I love comic books that have something to say, and that's what I think this is. It, it does work at just a base level, fun bit of escapism guy managed to escape his tragic backstory found happiness with his new wife 
he needs to come back and help with this war on this planet where he's from. He has certain ties to it. He ends up becoming the leader, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. So it, it has that fun aspect, but it was the more serious scenes that I enjoyed more about it. Um, as I say, with Barda and Scott, I think it's one of the best representations of a couple in a comic book in a long time. Yeah. You know, they have their happy moments. You know, they, they have... There's moments in it where you can see they're going to have sex. There's other moments where they do nothing but bicker and fight. Yeah. There's other moments where, you know, they're discussing what to do with it, as I say, do with their condo and stuff. It's just a really... But, but the, the deep connection between them, you feel it every single panel, I think. That, that, that's true with the whole... That's, that's their, them being a couple. But there's points in it where I was slightly jarred by... There's, there's one panel in particular, I don't know where it is. Um, <laughs> is it that panel where Scott's lying in bed with the Mr. Miracle mask? Um, he's in bed, but it's he's <laughs> curled up in like the fetal position, crying. Yeah, the part is just sitting beside him, like she's just completely oblivious to this whole. Is thing. she not asleep in that part? She's not just completely awake because there was a couple. There was there was a couple minutes I sat looking at going, why is he just sitting there if he's in such a shape? Yeah, but that's where I started going. That's why I, then whenever I finished, that, I looked back on it and went, right, okay, this is where I started coming up with the thoughts that this isn't happening. This, the, the entire event of this book didn't happen. It's all in Scott's head. It's I think there's easy. a lot of stuff that is in Scott's head. I think there's a lot of... Uh, there, there, there definitely is an element of him having visions of people and characters from his past and those characters representing yeah. facets of, uh, of what he's thinking, you know, or... Yeah, and I, then the other thing that really got me the, 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 was the, the, digital. the... There was... There was panels that are like that, that skewed, yeah, yeah, yeah almost like almost like interference in the television. Yeah, and whenever I first saw those in the first few pages, I went, "Ah, shit!" There's been a print there. <laughs> I've got one way a print there, and I couldn't get rid of that feeling all the way through. See, yeah. I I was trying to work out why that was. I was sort of trying to read into what we're saying in that panel and stuff to try and work out if that was trying to tell you something or if but it, it always just seemed or if it had gone from yeah. reality to his imagination that's, that's what I was trying to work out but it always just seemed I always find that really confusing random. but um, see like we should probably say that the majority of it is nine panel structure yep which you know classic comics Watchmen from Hell even stuff today like yep. he still does it in Batman it shows up in different comics pretty much it's pretty much a staple of comics, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I felt that we we were discussing, like in the store, that the nine-panel structure was a prison. Like that's, in yeah. a way, that's the way they've chose to tell their story. And yeah. for me, didn't necessarily think it worked because I thought a lot of them were really dragged out, like this, which is good because Gerard's got to or Jared's got to like speak about his he um there was there, there was an interview Sorry. actually yep. read recently and it was they were talking about the nine panel structure and Mr. Ed said that he preferred that because it didn't cut the actual tone of the book so oh it yeah because obviously you get modern books now and it's sort of the panels are all in place and you're sort of trying to work out what way to read it yeah. this yeah. one it's left or right three panels three panels three panels Oof, yeah. so you're not sort of reading in like a circle or like all these fancy <laughs> Like what comic is a circle? There, no, there's there's some there's some books <laughs> yeah. where sometimes the the panels just like go yeah. into like a like a weird See, shape. But if, oh. so as a result of the nine panels, whenever you have nine panels of the page, what you do is you get very little change between yeah. the panels. You know what I mean? There's a lot of the the, the changes. It's very subtle changes. Yeah, like, the, the the sequences. There was a lot yeah. of um, like sorry, I got distracted because Vicky was talking to me there. <laughs> um, but 
there was a lot of um, really good facial expressions or like just a little a little change in body language I thought that yeah. they really nailed that stuff but I thought it went on like some of the scenes would go on for like five six pages pages some of this and I was just like please get to something else stuff I was thinking it's more it makes you feel like like Scott's claustrophobic yeah. There's, there's yeah, one, yeah. There's one part where I'm trying to flick through the big infinity here, but they're driving down the street and it's where it basically boils down everybody trying to leave LA and mm-hmm. everybody's there because they want to be there and stuff like this. And they're dri- they're driving, but it keeps zooming in on Scott's face. Yeah. And it just sort of makes him feel. It makes it seem like he's really claustrophobic. I don't know whether it's I was reading into it or it, that he no, was just that's yeah. how it was supposed to be red yeah but for me like that was obviously a conscious artistic choice to do nine panels but i i love when a page is like really unique and inventive i love seeing like i was rereading gideon falls um issue number one and there's like a double page spread where like all these photos kind of come across and they come across both both of the pages (laughs) and you're like holy hell that looks amazing yeah but this, the art is utterly sublime, but I do think it maybe, I think they wanted the limitation, but I felt like the limitation was sort of like a disservice to the art almost. Mm-hmm. And I know like people might disagree with that. But no, I mean, I, I think that, you know, this is very much a collaborative book where, you know, I know Tom Kane and Mitch Streds have known each other a long time, but yeah. I don't think he would have turned around to him and said, you got to do 12 issues and it's nine panels every page yeah. without that <laughs> yeah. being a collaborative decision because there are splash pages in it. There are moments that are important to the story that they're very conscious of showing and drawing your attention to. Yeah. There's even a mirror image with a little bit with the child because that's towards the start of the book as well. Yeah. Um, but the, the nine page structure can work brilliantly on other occasions. I mean, I'm... I was just flicking through a bit that just really caught my attention there, but it's this whole idea of when they're on Apocalypse, there's this thing called the Mirror of Goodness, mm-hmm. which shows what you look like, or it shows what kind of person you really are. And obviously they've done a lot of horrible things in their lives. And then you just have um, Scott looking into it, and he's just this he's horrible, like disfigured <laughs> zombie almost, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Big Bar, I mean, that, that all is very very affected and burning it doesn't need to be a big splash page to convey that mm. I think they worked within the limitations of that straight away yeah. because uh, Sheriff Babylon's quite similar don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever read it but it, it follows a lot of nine See, page I, structure I as well I think a lot of Tom Page writing works better it works better with the nine panel structure because it's very dialogue heavy mm. like I mean you yeah. were talking about the first straight of Hellblazer and there was some times when you're reading it you don't know what yeah, uh, because it's sort it's of in the pattern of speech balloons, yeah, and it sort of slows you down when you're reading it. But I think with Tom King's writing, it helps to just be straight through reading all the dialogue. Oh, really? Normal yes. way you're reading it. Yeah. I would say it's yeah. definitely it's definitely born out of necessity because the subtext in this, I think, it's more on the writing than it is the art. Yeah, that's what it, it seems like. It should be more sort yeah. of dialed back where you're focusing on what's happening and not looking at yeah. the art overall. We don't, have wasting, we don't have panels to waste in this. Yeah. And yeah. I also think what you're saying about the themes of claustrophobia, the idea of the cage, especially in those uncomfortable moments, like the argument, it really locks you in yeah. and focuses you and basically forces the reader to get in there with Scott. It, it, it feels like it's trying to sort of convey how Scott is feeling yeah. throughout the entire book. Um, even just with the, the way they've done the art where it sort of looks like the stress, like like newspaper printing mm. um, where it's like this, the dotting and stuff like, there's a lot of times yeah. on like Apocalypse and New Genesis where that's not there but then when it goes into Scott and how he's feeling it 
it's more prevalent. Oh god, it just looks like an updated Jack Kirby comic, doesn't it? Those <laughs> colors. Oh my god, <laughs> utterly gorgeous looking book. I just think it's the kind of book that's gonna. There are certain comic books you read, you enjoy the escapism of them, and everything you read is face value, and that's it. You had a good time. It's over. Mm-hmm. I think with stuff like this, I mean, I've I've read this twice so far, and I'm still picking up new stuff in it. You were saying your your initial so, reaction yeah. to it, Roddy, was that you weren't overly fussed on it. Yeah. And you said not that your opinion changed, but it definitely softened reading it yeah, a second I read time. It, I read it. You know, maybe night. I mean maybe part of that is you know one of the things Karen said was that the book was maybe too overhyped for those that hadn't read it. So maybe you go in with those really high expectations, but then you read it, you go back to it a second time, you're like, I'll give it another go. And then you maybe start to see new things yeah. in that because you're no longer thinking, really, this is the best book of the you know the year. I mean, I, I bought it, so I'll be willing to give it another go. It's on my shelf, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and but that's yeah, the thing. There are certain trades I buy; they go on my shelf. I've probably owned them for five years and never went back to them. Yeah. I'm terrible for it. I have so many trades. I've, I've, I've read, read this twice and just going through it now and chatting with you guys about it. I want to read it again. Well, I'm looking <laughs> even even there's a you know there's a series of, of uh, splash pages there, full pages. Uh, you know, and it seems to be young Scott free. This part mirrors what he talks about later on. Yeah, with Big Barda. Barda. <coughs> I even just what he's talking with Big Barda and how he, could, how he has the vision of him holding um, his son, then having mm. every generation after that. It looks like it goes into the can you see the face of God? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I saw the face of God and it's me holding my son and it's his son holding him and it's, it's all mm. like it. That, that one splash page mm. itself mirrors that. And then there's some weird stuff that's getting me a wee bit. Um, so you know towards the end Scott seems to be a wee bit more at peace with himself Mm -hmm. Um, he's still seeing uh, I would assume visions you know there's Orion Orion was killed earlier on I see that as he's over sort of his mental illnesses but it's still he's still scarred I was about to say the same thing I mean he's conquered dark side which is you could argue is a representation of all the anxiety about all of his old responsibilities coming back into his old life which is great Except for the point whenever he goes to sit on his sofa at the end, and uh, the vision of Darkseid is oh, sitting yes. on the sofa, and his son is reaching out <coughs> to him going, Darkseid, Darkseid. So the kid clearly sees the Darkseid bit. I think sort of... <laughs> is that not maybe showing that maybe the kid's going to suffer from similar mental maybe, fragility, shall we say? Yeah, it could be. Or maybe it's his own fear of like just, fatherhood. Yeah, this, does, this isn't happening <coughs> at all, just scot free, you imagine that? Maybe not only that, you know, it's quite an interesting interpretation of that. That could be Big Barda that could be what Scott thinks he hears his child say that could be his fears yeah. of what if he you know what I mean because you know why sometimes parents hear their kids say something they go did he say dad did he say mum did, then he, that, say, did so he say dark side is it's like that because every children's first words yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that's my point you know? from dark never turns and, <laughs> and, and, I mean all the way through it there, there's a there's, they keep repeating in some way or other or in the background or on splash pages dark side is yeah. what is that is that like the dark side version of the debates <laughs> <laughs> is that apparently a lot of that comes from some uh, a style Grant Morrison used to use I was reading up oh, on oh that'll be widely sensible then yeah <laughs> um, I don't know I mean the dark side is, is used in different ways through it um, it's used for comedic purposes I find at times it's used it, it is a repeating there's a trope throughout it but there's times that you know 
I remember a, page, uh, a sequence early on in it where it's every panel one out of the nine, then the next page it's two out of the nine, yeah. the next page yeah. it's three out of the nine. And it's got this sort of impending doom to it as well. Because there's just one splash page and it's yeah. just black with dark side is in the middle of it. And I mean, they, they pop dark side halfway through it, so, or towards the end, so dark side isn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, the, the secret reveal last panel. Um, and then one of the things interesting in the last couple of pages, um, Oberon has appeared earlier on uh, and appears at the end and he seems to to be nearly like a, a father figure or a godlike yeah. figure. Bears a straight resemblance to Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine that's especially in the yeah, yep. bottom panel there, a couple of pages before the you end. Know, and he appears again in that uh, pixelated, you know, like Dark Side later and like uh, Orion later after he's killed, you know, appears in that pixelated but style. But if you notice this pixelated style, it doesn't have, since he kills Dark Side in the second last issue, doesn't have the, it doesn't have the, the scribbles. Panel, so the panel, I think it's where yeah. he's with the visions, they're starting to dip out a bit. Instead mm. of him sort of having his his look on life sort of shimmer. Yeah, I see what you want. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I hadn't noticed that. There is a rather subtle nod. At, well, it's not that subtle, I suppose. But in the twelfth issue as well, the final issue. Obviously, we were saying that there's this interpretation that it's all you know, essentially the dreams of a dying man, so to speak. Yeah. And then in the last issue, Scott steps out of the shower. Where he's like, "Good morning," which is a obviously a, a little reference yeah, to Dallas, yeah. and it was all a dream. Um, I think what's really interesting is from a book like this. I think you take it on your own terms. That um, do you believe all this happened? You, there's enough information to support different theories, and that again is what I love about it. Um, I just saw a Kieran point there at the page that Tom King definitely drew. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I thought when I read it was like Tom King drew this. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's kind of weird. There's a there's a there's a three page panel there with Scott on one side and Fucky Flashman on the other side and they're hanging a, uh, a Justice League birthday happy banner. birthday banner but the middle page which says happy the, the crux mm. of the banner is but that could also fuzzed go into is Jacob Free actually there is he a thing exist? yeah yeah mm-hmm. cause there, whenever I came out of it that's that's why I have the strong feelings against him because I didn't know what the hell to think I, I think that's maybe I think I think I came out of it with the same feeling but I yeah, we were saying we were mixed I think that's where I was I enjoyed a lot of the art I enjoyed but the relationship but I couldn't figure out what, what was what going on what happened yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's since it's sort of going back from the book and thinking about it a bit more I feel like I'm, I'm more for you know, the book because I have my own theories and it's yeah. left that way there's a lot going on there's clearly a lot going on in the medium because you get you get pages that are black you get pages that are white you get changes in panel structure yeah. you've got those uh, fuzzy um, parts that I thought were printing errors that weren't. Um, you know, you've got characters depicted in that pixelated state. You got, you know, so there's a lot more going on than just face value. Just the straight story, you know. Because um, the future here is like the first panel of the baby and stuff. Uh, it's shimmering. Yeah. Like it yeah. could be taken as does it exist? Does it not? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. It's, it seems uh, like it's a lot deeper and sort of everything is open to the I wonder how many times it would take to read it to actually figure out what's going on or if there's a chance you're going to. Or if it's interpretive. <laughs> or but, I, but I don't think it's... I know, for example, Grant Morrison is an acquired taste and sometimes you genuinely just do not know what's going on in that man's mad, mind. Mad as a box of frogs. You do not know what's going on in that man's mind. But I, most of the time. I don't find that with Tom Keane. I find, certainly in this book anyway, again, I'm, I, I do want to agree with Keith and be careful not to just say everything he writes is gold but I think with this book there is 
I think you could break it down if you spent the time you could break it down and it all makes sense yeah. and everything's there for a reason or for an interpretation whereas sometimes Grant Morrison it's just you know how many drugs did he take when he wrote See, this sort of thing you know I, I have a feeling that I was reading an interview with Tom King about Mr. Miracle a couple of days ago um, basically he based the whole story of Mr. Miracle on a panic attack he had he about becoming a father hospital. wasn't it I'm not sure if it was he just said it was about a panic attack that hospitalised him mm. but after he came out of the hospital he had a different view on reality Yeah, like not like a political review on reality just everything just seemed off mm-hmm. and I think that's the same thing with Mr. Miracle after he wakes up from the hospital everything he starts to doubt everything that's yeah. going around and it has like those those page breaks to sort of show is this happening or is it not to make you feel the dread yeah but Scott Free himself doesn't even know what's going on I would, well, I mean, if that's the last second last issue if that's the case then then uh, then it is effective because you know I was <laughs> I was confused because I was I was I was uh, off rhythm the whole time yeah. and yeah. there was definitely a certain amount of dread yeah. I would say uh, you know what I mean so uh, you know if that's the case then it's a very very effective book it's a very effective yeah. I think it leaves an impression on you I think that's what I was saying about I think it will reward rereading but even just the fact you're looking up interviews you know about you want to know more about it you know the first thing I did when I finished it and although it's a completely different medium and all the rest it was the same with Endgame see as soon as I finished watching Endgame I looked up 20 reviews on it just to see what people were saying about it and what people were reading into certain things and I love reading other people's interpretations somewhere you go oh that's a good point but then someone has a completely different view yeah. and but again can support it with um, with uh, details from the book so but it's definitely not a book that you take face value in a book. oh no, I don't no, think you, so you no. might have a goal and it's not a book you know I I don't want to put it in the same pedestal because it's not as good as something like Watchmen it will you'll see with the, te- the test of time but it reminds me of something like Watchmen and that if I was going to get someone into comic books I would not hand yeah. them this oh no Definitely. I would not be like you want to get into comics read this you know it's you'd have to build up to it I almost think because when people come into the store I'm the same with Watchmen I will always say this is possibly the greatest thing ever written in comics you need but you up. need to read a lot before <laughs> reading this yeah. you know so it's not you need some training yeah, yeah it's not It's not the place to start you <laughs> know you say, could you say it uh, maybe on retrospect it shares the same failings as the original Mr. Miracle series and that it's too maybe too out there for a general audience not really because it's found an audience you know it, it continues to win awards it's sold well the, the trades are selling well this has found an audience I think maybe what to, to expand on your point maybe what something like this needs is a limited series hmm. you know when Jack Kirby first started doing like the new gods and all the fourth world stuff he I don't think he had a clue of like right I'm going to do 20 issues and that's it yeah. I think he wanted yeah. to do an ongoing thing if this went on for like as much as I love this I don't need a second volume straight away. No, yeah, I am happy to have that, and that's that. That's it, yeah. mm-hmm. Definitely you know, a self-contained story. What what yeah. happens in that story is open to interpretation. Yeah, the vision was the same. The vision yeah. by Tom King was the exact same. Brilliant storytelling, very affecting. Totally different from any vision I've ever read. Don't need don't need a, a totally different volume. vision of the vision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely a self-contained family tale. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm finding it more and more. I mean, I love my ongoing stuff, and I love chatting about and all the rest but what I'm finding more and more is that I love these limited series I love the limited series format I love yeah. Batman White Knight you know I love the vision I love Mr. Miracle well it's always going to reward creativity more this format to a degree yeah as long as it's well planned I mean I'm not fucking doomsday clock but <laughs> <laughs> you know for doomsday clock oh, I've got the lady <laughs> 
<laughs> want to tear my hair out. Also, nine panel structure. Yeah, very true. But I would argue that's more just solely to imitate uh, Watchmen. Watchmen, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than any. Oh, in this term, I, I don't know. I don't know. Doomsday Clock. On Doomsday. Oh no, I'm off topic here. Come on, let's. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like you were saying, like the nine-panel structure that definitely serves a purpose. Yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of Doomsday Clock, whatever my feelings on it, is based off of like trying to live up to Watchmen and replicate. Oh, Watchmen. of course it is. Yeah. That's why they're. I mean. Very, very, very quick tangent. That's why it's taken. That's why they're taking their time doing it because yeah. they want to live up that legacy. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Doomsday Club. Um, I don't know. Final thoughts? Throw it in there. Um, I uh, feel like if it was any other character that I had experience with, because I've never read Mister Miracle until reading this, I feel like if it was any other character, I'd be all over this, thinking it was amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's just I've no, I've no interest in Mister Miracle until now. I've never read any of the new Genesis stuff. Any mm-hmm. of the, the Apocalypse stuff, it feels like I was sort of trying to catch up when I was reading it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other character, I think it would have worked well. I would say, uh, to counter your point, I wasn't too worried about basically my lapse in uh, knowledge or like absence of lore because I felt it was a relationship that drew the plot and I was on board with the relationship since the first issue. Yeah. I just feel I need to give it more time, I need to give it another read to mm-hmm. yeah. get a real fix on what it's about. What do you reckon, Roddy? Yeah, I think I need a third and fourth read mm-hmm. maybe for it. Um, <laughs> it's confusing. Very but, conflicted with yeah. it. Um, I originally like really, really, really didn't like it. Read it. It took me ages to read it the first first time, and then I read it all in one sitting last night. Kind of, I wasn't like skimming it, but I was like reading it slightly quicker than I normally would. Mm-hmm. But um, left a bit confused. Don't really know. Maybe I expected like a concrete ending. Talking to you guys, I want to read it more. I want to read it again. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. Sitting here, for I like your points. Yeah. I'm interested in them. Do I feel the same way? I'm not so sure. Did I kind of want a concrete kind of ending? Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's a couple of reads. Come on. Same as that. I think I think sitting here for the past forty minutes chatting about it, and I'm interested in giving it another. Another word. I don't know if it'll make any more sense by the end of it. Um, but that just means it needs another read. What you know? At there's what, a, there, what there's a lot of books, and life is short. <laughs> <laughs> See, what I would say is that I've cer- got time. Certainly, with um, Roddy saying it might need a third read, a fourth read. There's always a danger sometimes when something's so hyped up. You think to yourself, "Have I just missed the point here?" And you almost have to force yourself to like it. That's how I, I don't think this feels like this. That's how I felt straight after I was like, "Did I miss the point?" Like and that's why I started. Yeah, the interviews I think once you started chatting to people and discussing it and stuff like that, I mean, it's okay not to like something. You know, you don't just because this is you know won awards and this and that. Not every book is for everybody, but I think the fact that Roddy's talking about like a third time, a fourth time, Keith's talking about a second time, it's not out of some desire to say I'm clearly missing something I yeah. I need to it, it is more just a maybe there is more to this yeah. than I originally it's thought value for money if you're going to pick it up like that's that's the other thing I would <laughs> say you know it's it's not a cheap trade you know you are talking sort of 20 to 23 quid there thereabouts it's it's a lot of issues obviously 12 issues if it was single issues you'd spend far more than that but it is still a yeah. chunky read but I as I say I go back to the fact that I have trades I'm just looking at my trades right now there's trades I've put on there that look nice yeah. and I've never went back to be it, I've went back to this twice I think, already. Um, if I had got it week to week, I would have hated, or not week to week, month to month, I would have hated. I might have even given this. up on it. Yeah, yeah, probably. To be honest, yeah. but Absolutely. you have to give a person that chance, or yeah. artists yeah. and writers that chance to, you know, tell their story. Yeah. But 
it would have been agonizing yeah, yeah really would have so the, the plan with these with these book clubs is we're gonna have a look at these things and then you're gonna make sure you have a copy in the store so. yeah I mean um, the the idea is I'm, I'm looking at a little bit of redesigning of the store at the moment um, there might be some new furnishings coming in some new display cases um, that's maybe gonna showcase more of the stuff we talk about on the podcast I notice you're avoiding um, my avoiding avoiding my guess in the topic of furnishings well you keep breaking all the stools um, but no we, we want to set up like a new area and you know we're, we're getting good feedback for the podcast as far as I know we all love doing it it's good crack it's it opens it expands our horizons a little bit with you know chatting about these things so the idea with the book club is we're going to always move it on to a different person at the end of it and say right here's a book for you to read as I said at the at the top of it this all came about because of Marvels. Like I, I still can't get over how good Marvels is and how I, I had never read it before. Did, um, um, did Andy also suggest doing it, or did you tell him about it before? I actually think it was Karen's idea ages was ago. Because yeah. Andy, Andy mentioned something. Karen um, was one of the on first Facebook, to me- yeah. on Facebook. He was like, "Yeah, you guys should totally do." Karen was one of the first guys to mention it to me, and we were going to incorporate it into the review show, but we thought. Good so detail. There's only discussion. so many hours in the day. For well, you know, we already take up enough of your time. Um, but no, it's. I think if you want to have a proper discussion, you got to yeah. just focus on that, and not yeah. be like, right, that's out of the way. What single issues did you enjoy? But I think the idea of it is a maybe showcasing work that people might not have read. Yeah. I think part of it is showcasing classics and why are they classics um, I think it's also about showing the diversity of what we all read you know because yeah, we're all very different aren't we? you know I think the idea should always be I mean I, I will more than happily take this as my first pick mm-hmm. and go around all of you guys before it comes back around to me um, but I'm more than happy to open up the floor and pass it on to Mr. Miller next for what we should be reading for the uh, second book club if everybody's happy with that of course um, yeah. I think uh, for our next book club my choice will be the. You can't pick any Marvel, sorry. No. The, 19, <laughs> <laughs> the nineteen eighty-three Marvel classic, Secret Wars. Secret Wars. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> always like it when we get a nice in there. Yes. Um. Yeah. There's always a good nice from Roddy at some point in it. Um. Yeah. I mean, the idea of Secret Wars. I mean, what what we also want to do is open this up to other people. So we'll post this. I'll put it all through Facebook and all the rest. Um, if people want to comment on it, give us their opinions, um, send in questions, whatever they can comment on that. There'll always be posts put up on the social media stuff. Um, we'll what we what we want to do with the podcast is always have new content. So one week it'll be previews, one week it'll be a book club, the next week it'll be our single issue reviews, then back to the book club and so forth. But as Keith said, if we're ever going to be reviewing a book and chatting about it, I'll always make sure we have it in the store. Yeah. Um, in case you like the sound of our always, ramblings. We're always going to try and make it a mini series, or else if it's going to be a long series, we'll do like volume one or two. Yeah, we'll do volume something. one or something, and you know, is it a case of is it continuing reading after that? That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> always try and make them kind of bite-sized. 45 minutes to an hour kind of yep. podcast yeah, that's, yeah. The plan. that's yeah. the plan well I don't know I mean if Kate starts talking about Secret Wars it might be I might be a 45 minute per issue yeah. <laughs> sort of a breakdown uh, it's just trying what a time well there's Jenny a Warren just attack <laughs> isn't this the comic designed to sell toys that's the one yeah, yeah the comic that they stole a march on DC when they were doing Crisis not, not to doubt your literary skills but I'm waiting to see how you can spin a podcast out of this one you coming back of course 
Wait to see if you're invited. We might just have a guest star with each uh, book club we do. You never know, Chris. You know, don't get too comfy in that. Scene. Um, yeah. Well, so um, that was a pleasure, brothers. Yeah, yeah. Was, as always. Um, cool. So that was Mr. Miracle from us. So and we're gonna, I don't know if we're going to fade out or we're actually going to disappear. Or are them, we right? going to escape? This podcast. Oh, oh. Dear. I actually thought that, that was, was an end. I actually thought that was an end game joke. I was just gonna go. Oh, and then they escaped. You should just cut up the snap. <laughs> anyway, that was our talk on Mr. Miracle. Next up is Secret Wars. Cheers, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.